Need a break from the horrifying reality of real life? Well, do we have a sexy deal for you. Go to adamandeve.com and use our special code HORROR for 50% off almost any item and free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R at checkout for 50% off and free shipping. Order now and get ready to... Hello, everybody. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 98 of I'm Horrified. Oh, we're so close. We're getting really close to 100, you guys. We still haven't chosen what we're going to do. We've been talking about how we don't know what we're going to do since, like, episode 80. <laughs> yeah, and I'm starting to get a little nervous about it. <laughs> Frankly, I'm starting to freak out a little, you guys. So We uh, have a logistical meeting after this. We do. We're planning a, a logistical event. Which we're going to break out the notepads mm-hmm. and, like, drink a bottle of wine. Absolutely. And just kind of, you know... I could Task team it. Tonight's a night, maybe we'll edit this out of the podcast. Tonight's a night that I could drink a bottle of wine. Yeah? And I haven't really done a drunk one by myself since college. No, me neither. I um am on a lot of behavioral medication right now. You should. But a friend of ours also <laughs> said like she wants to get a little fucked up tonight. <laughs> so I'm happy to make sure nobody um like jumps into a lake or anything. Perfect. That's and all that's I ask. what's responsible, you guys. Yes. <clears throat> if you're gonna be irresponsible. Make sure at least someone's responsible. Somebody's got to be the mom friend. Somebody's got to be the mom friend. And always. you should and you should trade off. Yeah, if you've never been the mom friend, you're putting a lot of burden on the mom friend. Yeah. So you can't always just be, you know, the baby friend. Yeah. Tearing so, your dress off yeah. and hopping in the pool. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to drive. Sometimes you do. Then that's our life lesson of the day. Yeah. So this has been Life Lessons with Sam and Allie. Uh, Everybody's got to trade off the mom friend. I think sure. that's important. I absolutely think that's and so, important. And I feel like some people, like, lean into mom friend more. It, like, goes better with their personality. But, like, ultimately at some time of your life, you have to be step up and be the mom friend. Yes. And I think that's different than the designated driver. Because yes. we're not always driving. There's Uber now. It's less about driving and more about, like, you got six girlfriends, like, mm-hmm. going out trying to score some dick live your lives get that but have one person who's like i'm not gonna get fucked up tonight no because i'm out to make sure that i'm scanning yes for aggressive sexual predators think of it as like a good times facilitator position oh yeah of like i'm facilitating that everyone else can have a fun yet safe smart but a blast of an evening a jaunty bon viveur nobody loses their wallet you could wear a monocle if you're throwing up in the bathroom, someone's rubbing your back. Yeah. And no one gets taken by a sexual predator. They make sure that they have all of their, like, like bobby pins yep. and, like, hair ties yep. and, like, an extra, like, couple dollars for the valet. Like, Absolutely. all that stuff. Like, they have all that stuff. Good time facilitator. Exactly. You can wear an, uh, a monocle. That could also be, like, a business. It really could. Like, hire me and I'll be your mom friend. I'll be, night. Yeah. Should we start a side business? I'll drive you and I'll I'll participate in really good, fun conversation, but I'll also, like, when you're like, I think I should go home with him, you'll be like, wait one second, I'll walk you up, but I'm also going to look him up on Facebook to yep. make sure it's not a shell account, that and kind you can, of stuff. And you can, like, send in, like, a questionnaire, like, what are you looking for in the evening? And it's like, number one, don't let me text Steven. And yeah. it's like, that person that you've hired is like, don't text Steven tonight. Yeah. And we, like, go over the notes, like, that scene in The Devil Wears Prada when you're memorizing all the people's names. But, like, you're Meryl Streep and you just have to get to have a good time. Yeah. And I'm just Anne Hathaway missing my boyfriend's birthday. Perfect. 
Should we talk about what we're going to talk about? I guess. Um, you <laughs> Sam, guys, you're starting us off. What are you going to talk I'm about? I'm starting us off with something that really falls into my wheelhouse. It's Charles II of Spain. That's such a Sam It's going to become clear pretty quick uh, that I'm only interested in a couple things and he hits both. This is the Spaniel King. Is that right? I don't think so. The King Charles Spaniel. I don't think so. No? That's not who the King Charles Spaniels are named after? I, I didn't come across that in my research. Let me Google it real Oh, quick. no, that's King Charles of England, right? Yeah, but that's probably England. This is Spain. They're different, yeah? They are different. Okay, cool. They're two cool, different cool, places. Cool, cool, cool. Well, sometimes it's like Elizabeth, Queen of... England, Scotland. England, and... Scotland, Tanzania, like everywhere. Yeah, a bunch of places. Of, you know, no, colonialism. This is, this is a different Charlie. Sure, sure, sure. And I'm going to talk about uh, Bratz dolls. I cannot wait. Bratz dolls. I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited. I'm excited to hear about this yes. one. And also, before we start, I just want to say we have gotten... A lot of really positive feedback on our episode on uh, cognitive distortion, and we were talking about like mental illness and treatment. A lot of you wrote in and just said a lot of really nice stuff. So I want to say thank you, and I'm glad that you're all our little family. And if I talk about it anymore, I will cry. So okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I won't gonna, ask any more questions. I'm going to tell you some stuff about this man. So you guys know that I have exactly two interests, mm-hmm. and those are royalty and genealogy. Yeah. So when I remembered earlier this week about the most famously inbred king who brought about the fall of one of Europe's greatest royal houses, of course that was going to be my topic. You woke up in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I was like, King Charles of Spain. You tore off the covers. <laughs> um, so let's just dive right into it. Mm. Today we're talking about um, Charles II or Carlos II, the king of Spain. Most of the sources that I read named him as Charles, but I'm also reading English language sources. So right. I honestly don't know if like if I had read a Spanish source because I can't read Spanish. Like, maybe he's referred to more commonly there as Carlos. I saw it both ways. I don't know. I mostly use Charles, because that's kind of the sources I was reading. But, um... And history is whitewashed, so... It sure is. It sure is. (laughs) And he was also... His family line was Austrian, so, like, make of that what you will. Fair enough. But so, um, Charles was born in 1661, the eldest son of Philip IV of Spain and his second wife, Mariana of Austria. Uh, and Charles is remembered as the last Habsburg ruler of the Spanish Empire. And the Habsburgs are a very, very oh, big, Habsburg. famous royal line in Europe. Um, and he is frequently remembered by his nickname, El Hechazo. Can you guess what that means? Is that bad? Um, it means the bewitched. Oh, no. And why was he considered bewitched, Allie? Because he was so, so, so inbred. Oh, no. So let's dial it back a step and talk about Charles's family line, the Habsburgs. Um, as I mentioned, the House of Habsburg, which was also officially called the House of Austria, or House Osterreich in German, or Casa de Austria in Spanish. They really had a lot going on. House of Austria. <laughs> House of Austria. It was one of the most influential and distinguished royal houses of Europe. Um, the throne of the Holy Roman Empire was continuously occupied by the Habsburgs from 1438 until the extension of the main line in 1740. And the house also produced kings of Bohemia, Hungary, Croatia, Galicia, Portugal, and Spain, as well as rulers of a bunch of principalities in the Netherlands and in Italy. From, like, the 16th century on, the dynasty was mainly split between its two branches, the Austrian branch and the Spanish branch. Makes sense. And you might be wondering, how were the Habsburgs able to consolidate all this power? The answer? They kept it in the family, baby. Oh. So um, the Habsburgs sought to consolidate their power by the frequent use of consanguinous marriages, i.e. inbreeding. 
consanguinous. I know. It even sounds kind of gross. And it, boy, is it. You guys, if I've said it once on this podcast, I've said it a billion times, incest is bad. <laughs> it keeps coming back up. It really does. And it's my own fault. But again, I just feel I, I must go on the record, incest, it's bad. If you're asking why it's bad, have you even listened to me at all? Yeah. Did you listen to the episode about purebred dogs? Did you listen to the episode about genetic sexual attraction? If the answer's no, okay, here's a recap. Still <laughs> still one of my, my favorite episodes we talked about genetic sexual attraction because I felt so like, oh, but like also I need to know everything about this. Yeah, it's one of those like I have to Google and cry yep, at, the, yep. at, at the same moment. So guys, you get two sets of genes from your parents. You get one from your mom. You get one from your dad. And that's good because if one of the sets of genes is a little messed up, the other is usually good and can usually compensate for the mess. Um, this is not true, however, in cases of inbreeding. If parents are related, that means their DNA is more similar, and so there's a higher chance that both of their DNA is a little fucked up in the same way. And if you don't have any good genes to compensate for the fucked up ones, you're gonna have a bad time. I can't tell you, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> um, I can't tell you how many people I've had to draw out a Punnett square for yep. <laughs> to explain how genetics work. Yeah, Punnett squares are maybe the most useful thing I ever learned in science Yeah, class. yeah, I still remember how for they work real. and I wasn't very good at that. Yeah. It is, it does make sense and it explains why I am um, actually my parents' child even though I have blue eyes and they both have brown eyes. There you go. I thought that somebody was trying to pull the wool over my eyes. Your blue eyes. My blue, blue, foreign <laughs> eye. I could have been anyone. Yeah. But luckily, you are you. Luckily, both of my grandmothers had blue eyes. That's why. It all makes eyes. sense. Punnett squares, you guys. They're amazing. So, the Habsburgs love to fuck each other. This inbreeding leads to a few famous traits you actually might have heard of. Uh, numerous members of the family show a specific facial deformity, such as an enlarged lower jaw and an extended chin that is known as the Habsburg jaw. And I do, like, when I've read a lot of, like, historical books, they do, like, a lot of times mention that members of this royal family had, like, a very distinguished jaw that, like, only got bigger and bigger. Oh, boy. And um, a fun thing that I read today was that Marie Antoinette was a Habsburg. Like, she was part of this bloodline. And she only had the jaw a little bit, so it just always looked like she was pouting. But that's cute. <laughs> but that was cute. It gets less cute as you keep fucking your cousin. Yeah, you have to stop that at some point. <laughs> It just keeps getting uh, less cute. They also um, all had a large nose with a hump and a hanging tip, which was known as the Habsburg nose, and an everted lower lip, which was known as the Habsburg lip. Um, so that's that. They love inbreeding. They all look like that. Charles's parents, Philip IV of Spain and Mariana of Austria, were uncle and niece. Nope. Gross. <laughs> it's obviously not great. But if we keep going up the family tree, we'll find that Mariana's parents were also first cousins, and Philip's parents were second cousins. And in the generation above that, we have two more uncle-niece marriages and another second cousin marriage. <laughs> and above that, there's another first cousin marriage. Um, I'm about to show you a picture of the family tree alley, and one thing I read that cracked me up was that it looks more like a wreath. Like, it kind of comes out, and oh, then it comes boy. right back in. That's crazy. It doesn't keep expanding. Um, basically, all eight of uh, Charles's great-grandparents were descendants of the same people. So that's not great. That's a bummer. That's bad. Um, and I'd also like to quickly say that I think uncle-niece marriages are the worst of the okay-by-historical-standard type of marriages. Because, like, it used to be kind of chill to marry, like, your first cousin 
or your uncle or like, you know, relations. Like, obviously it wasn't good ever. Uncle niece is the worst. I think uncle niece is the worst of those. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And they have a lot of them in this family tree. So, Al, what I'm showing you now oh, is Oh, yeah, wow. Tree. It is like a wreath. It looks just like a wreath, but yeah. So we've got um, the uncle-niece marriage that produced Charles, Mariana's parents' cousins, Philip's parents' cousins, and then interestingly, like, that generation has a brother and sister in it. Like, one, one produced Philip and one produced Mariana, but like... Those genetics are just real close. They're just real comfy and They're close. really too close. I had to stare at this family tree for like 35 minutes to fully wrap my head around what, where the grandparents were, what was happening. Mm-hmm. It took me like a while. <laughs> it took yeah, me... that's wild. And I've looked at a surprising amount of family trees because of my interests. So just like. Yeah, you did. It's just wild. I highly recommend everyone Google it. Uh, and then at the bottom, there's Charles. Um, ultimately, if you look at, like, the coefficient of inbreeding, Charles is more inbred than the child of a brother-sister couple would be. So that's, that's crazy. that's very inbred. <laughs> that's yep. some of the most inbred you can be. And that's what this guy was. How long was his chin? Like, so long? Um, let me Google this man for you. Oh, oh no. Because it is, and keep in mind, and I read this and it cracked me up, they were like, they had to make him look as hot as possible in his portraits. That's the job of a portrait artist. Yeah, because it's like you're selling some goods. So here's the man. Oh no. <laughs> this is the hottest possible form. Oh. And his boy. jaw is right out there. Oh no. It's right out there. And it's not his fault, but it's right out there. It's really noticeable. I'm sure he's nice on the inside. No, I'm sure he is. Um, because of this ginormous amount of inbreeding. Charles suffered ill health throughout his life, and he was described as short, lame, epileptic, senile, and completely bald before 35, always on the verge of death, but repeatedly baffling Christendom by con- continuing to live. Jesus Christ, is that a direct quote? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Charles probably said that about himself. Yeah. Um, um, his Habsburg lip was so pronounced that he spoke and ate only with, like, extreme difficulty, and he didn't learn to walk until the age of... Or he didn't learn to talk until the age of four and walk until eight. Oh, boy. Because um, he, he just, he had all these developmental yeah. differences. Um, Which is not a bad thing. No. But it's hard. Like, he deserved to be, you know, given support to live his best life. Yeah. And not forced to rule. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some people report that he did have, like, um, developmental differences with his, like, cognitive ability. And some people report that he was, that his cognitive ability was actually normal. So, mm. I don't really know. People varied on their opinion, but he was noticeably affected by the inbreeding. And he was ill due to it for most of his life. That's a bummer. That's Which another is reason why you shouldn't do that. The other bummer, um, it, he already wasn't set up for success, right? But he became king when at three years old. Um, because his father, Philip IV, died. Um, again, not being set up for success, Charles. Yeah, that's tough. Um, and so he's a legal minor. So his mother, Mariana, was appointed queen regent by the Council of Castile. Um, and Charles theoretically ruled in his own name, um, after her death in 1696. But again, he was ill for most of his life. So most of the power in his reign was really exercised by other people. He probably didn't even want to be doing anything. No, I'm sure he didn't. I wouldn't want to be doing anything. When I have a cold, I don't feel well. Yeah. alone if, like, I had all these issues that came because all of my relatives kept marrying each other. He didn't ask for that. No, it was not his bad. Um, So the two main figures in Charles's life that were kind of battling for power 
where his mother, Mariana, and his bastard half-brother from his father's side, uh, John or Juan, depending again on the kind of the source you read. Um, what I do love is that in a lot of the sources, they refer to him as Don Juan, because Don just means like, sir. Love that. <laughs> but I just kept being like, Don Juan. I love that for him. My romance brain was like, just ride this. Just and I was like, it. no, I have to focus on Charles. My romance brain was like, Don Juan, Don Juan. the bastard half-brother of the king. And I was like, no. That's pretty hot, though. You have to focus, Sam. Um, so, uh, Mariana was the regent. She had, like, a favorite who was helping her rule, who was from Austria, as she was. And, of course, like, everyone was mad that two foreigners, one of whom was a girl, was ruling Spain. Um, and so there was basically this huge fight between this Austrian faction that was trying to hold power and this French faction that was trying to hold power, which was led by John. And like also during this time, Spain was divided, like divided into the crowns of Castile and Aragon and they had very different like political cultures. So it was impossible to do anything that both of them liked, like no matter who you are. And government finances were in a perpetual crisis. The crown had to declare bankruptcy in 1647, 1652, 1661, and 1666. Oh, yikes. People say that, like, Mariana had to be regent, and, like, this would have challenged even, like, the most competent ruler in the world. Um, There was also what they called a Little Ice Age, a period of cold and wet weather that affected the whole of Europe in the second half of the 17th century. Um, an estimated 5 to 10% of the European population starved to death in this time. Oh, jeez. And I don't want to say that this was God telling them to stop with the uncle-niece marriages. But... Well, we can't prove that it wasn't. <laughs> if I was God, <laughs> I would have been rubbed the wrong way by those uncle-niece marriages. If God was one of us, he would have asked us to please stop. <laughs> please just marry someone outside your family tree. Or your cousin, even. If yeah. you have to. A second cousin. A third cousin. You can be related. Or your literal you cousin, if it's gonna be your niece otherwise. That's true. If, if I have to pick between the two, marry your cousin. Yeah. Oh, man. But I would rather not have to pick. All right. So, um, Charles came of age in 1675. He's still not really in the driver's seat. So, um, there kept being this weird struggle for power. Um, Mariana ended up reinstating the regency in 1677, but then John gained control in 1678. But luckily for Mariana, and perhaps arranged by her, we can't know, Mm. John died in September of 1679. So it's, like, not clear if he was maybe poisoned, but there was also just, like, so many ways you could die back then. Yeah. Like that was, they, that's why probably murdering someone wasn't that hard. Because yeah. it's like, oh, you know, Fred died yesterday. And it's like, well, that's not a surprise. It just happens. It was probably ghosts who did it. Like, that was yeah. just a normal, the vapors, like. Or he went to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just dead now. Every time you go back there to the commode, you just have to say goodbye. Yeah. Just in case. Just <laughs> in, in case. case. Um, unfortunately for Mariana, one of John's final acts was arranging the marriage of Charles to 17-year-old Marie-Louise of Orleans. Um, And that marriage took place in 1679. Charles, unfortunately, was so sick, he could not actually attend his own wedding. So it was a marriage by proxy. And then Marie-Louise finally laid eyes on her husband and was repulsed by his appearance. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, France's ambassador to Spain wrote that, quote, the Catholic king is as ugly as to cause fear. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, that's kind of mean. I know. It's Again, none of this is Charles's fault. Um, but Charles's ongoing poor health, especially his sterility, caused Marie-Louise an incredible amount of mental anguish. 
Um, to make matters worse, like no one at the Spanish court was allowed to touch the queen and she had been separated from her entire support system in France when she moved to Spain. And she was expected to like procreate and carry the heir to the Spanish throne. And she never got pregnant, which she was blamed for. But like, how could anyone possibly have thought that Charles was fertile? Yeah. <laughs> how could she couldn't have, have gotten pregnant. Exactly. But of course, it was the lady's fault. In both bad and, in a way, good news, Marie Louise's suffering was not prolonged. Um, one afternoon in 1689, Marie Louise went out horseback riding. She complained of stomach pain and died later that night. Again, sometimes you just die in the olden days. Yep. Um, people speculated at the time she had been poisoned, perhaps, by Mariana, but modern scientists think she died of appendicitis, which is very sad, because nowadays you could just get that fixed. So your appendix taken out, right? Yeah, you just... Get that out and grab it. They didn't have that back then. So Mariana is like, okay, now I have to marry Charles off to somebody super fertile, um, and then I'll definitely get an heir out of this kid. Again, you're not going to. But he does. The, and they he, didn't have any other kids. Oh, he had a couple sisters. Useless. Useless. Absolutely useless. Charles was the only male heir. So they match him up to Maria Anna of Newburgh, who was one of 12 children whose family reputation for fertility made them a pop- popular choice for royal marriages. And they really okay. did. Like, two of her sisters were also queens and, like, a third was a duchess. Like, for some reason, everyone was just like, this family fucks. Yeah. And so you just knew, like, if you need fucking in the family tree. They get a product yeah. out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Again, it was obviously the woman's fault that Charles didn't have an heir. Uh, it could not possibly be because all of his grandparents were cousins. Um, it had to be the lady. I don't think it's that, yeah. Things are maybe okay for a few years. Um, after Mariana, Charles's mother dies in 1696, Charles is ruling in his own name, although his new wife, Maria Anna, is playing a significant role due to his ill health and her control over access to Charles. Obviously, like, she's kind of the person who decides who's seeing him. But it's clear that Charles's health is finally failing and agreeing upon his successor becomes increasingly urgent. Again, he has two sisters, but he has no other brothers. And they're kind of the last of the Spanish Habsburgs. So they're like, we really got to figure this out. Um, Due to Spanish inheritance law, it's possible for a woman or the descendant of a woman to inherit the crown. And so Maria, so his two sisters are Maria Teresa and Margaret Teresa, and they could potentially pass it down to their children through their marriages with Louis XIV. What is that? 14? Yeah. Was that the Maria Teresa, the mother of Marie Antoinette? I think probably, yeah. Yeah. She's so, Austrian and named Maria Teresa. That's probably that Marie Antoinette's mom. Um, Notoriously mean, I think. Yeah. Not very nice. Not very, not super nice. Not super warm. Yeah. Um. So they're married to, like, other European nobility, um, and ultimately, the best candidate seems to be Charles's great-nephew, Joseph Ferdinand Leopold of Bavaria. However, miraculously, Charles outlives Joseph Ferdinand. What? <laughs> Joseph Ferdinand dies of smallpox, and a new heir has to be found. So the next logical heir was Louis XIV's eldest son, the Grand Dauphin. Um, but this would have meant a union of Spain and France. And everyone was kind of, like, feeling yucky about that. Like, the French were kind of like, oh, ha, ha, maybe. But, like, every other country was like, I don't love that. Everyone hates France so much. (laughs) Well, I think for most countries it was just, like, two superpowers. Yeah, fair enough. And they all are under the same guy? I don't know. That'd be like if, like, Russia and China were like, we're going to have the same president from now on. Yeah. I think we would all just kind of be like, 
I don't love that. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> I, true. I don't, I'm not saying it's bad, but I don't love it. Um, so for a while they think it's, the heir is going to be like somebody else who is like Archduke, an Archduke. Um, and then Charles kept, keeps being like Spain, Spain has to stay independent but finally, um, they kind of decide to go with the French line, which is called the House of Bourbon, which is very famous, Bourbon. Um, and so they just end up using one of those princes, um, Philip of Anjou, and they just say, like, you can't inherit the French throne if you're going to inherit the Spanish one. That's fair. And they kind of split that family in half. <laughs> so, like, half of them are now going to be kings of Spain and half of them are going to stay kings of France. And Philip of Anjou is like, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, why not? And so this marks the end of the Spanish Habsburg house and kicks off the Spanish War of Succession, which is fun. Uh, is it fun? It's bad? <laughs> it's pro- it's bad. I mean, it's a war. Succession or secession? No, succession. Succession. Because who's going to succeed Who's going to succeed. Got it. And it ends it. up ending, I think it ends up being Philip of Anjou. So the one who Charles wanted to ends up That's nice. It. Yeah. Finally, poor Charles. Let's get back to him. Aww. He dies in Madrid five days before his 39th birthday on November 1st, 1700. The physician who performed his autopsy must have had a wild day that day because uh, he stated his body, quote, <laughs> this is bad. I shouldn't be laughing. What? What happened? His body did not contain a single drop of blood. His heart what? was the size of a peppercorn. His lungs corroded. His intestines rotten and gangrenous. He had a single testicle, black as coal, and his head was full of water. Dear Jesus Christ. His family tree is a reef alley. What else could we be expecting? They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have. Um, his life was very memorably summarized, and I think it's a point that you and I have both been making uh, by historian John Langdon Davies. Um, it said, quote, We are dealing with a man who died of poison 200 years before he was born. If birth is a beginning of no man, was it more true to say that in his beginning was his end from the day of his birth, they were waiting for his death because he was just so, it's so sad. It's so sad. It's just such a horrifying existence for this man who was just ill oh. his whole life just because this family was like, well, the only way to maintain power is all these uncle niece marriages obviously like and he didn't even get to enjoy his time on this fine planet he really didn't because everyone was like well what do you want to do about like you know england and he's like i don't know i'm I'm tired busy being unwell yeah and he could have led a perfectly happy life if he didn't have to fucking rule shit Mm -hmm. it sounds like his mom was really controlling too yeah i think she was his, he's like, no, mom. She, mom, the mom's like, you're giving up your dream. And he's like, no, mom, I'm giving up <laughs> your dream. Really? But that's the other thing is like, I, I very much think A, he was ill. So I think like he would have had trouble ruling. But B, like everyone just kind of said like he shouldn't rule. And like he was never really given the opportunity to rule independently. Mm, yeah, because, you know, like having disabilities doesn't take away your ability to, you know, be a leader, yeah. obviously. But it doesn't seem like anyone really, they just treated him like a pawn. Yeah, absolutely. He was his whole life. And unfortunately, because he was so ill his whole life, he couldn't fight back. Yeah, and treated like an inconvenience, which yeah. I think happens a lot. Yeah, To absolutely. people even today. This poor man. So the moral of the story is, you guys, I don't care. <laughs> I was going to say, like, how hot your uncle is. No, don't marry anyone in your family. Don't do it. I'll say it. I don't care how hot your uncle is. 
I don't care. Don't marry him. And and if you must, do not procreate with him. Yeah, actually, I'll say marry him <laughs> if you want to. I don't give a shit. I think there's some weird power dynamic stuff there, but no, I that's no, I fine. I totally think there's some weird power dynamic stuff. But I have said to a raucous degree, I believe that everyone should do whatever the fuck they want to do. Absolutely, as long as and I agree that that's true. But if um, you procreate from. Your marriage with your hot uncle. Yeah. You're doing harm to your kid. Like, I don't want anyone in America to own guns. Uh-huh. But, like, I I couldn't give less of a shit what you do with your own penis. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In a way, you know, that's... With the, consenting... The, the gun of the pants. ...aged partners. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, that's fine. Um, But, yeah, just... But don't bring other people into it if you gotta. Don't bring other people into it. And having a child with a close relative is bringing somebody else into it. And think about this before you choose to do that. How many people do you think are listening to this podcast like <laughs> they're right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't actually know. I don't know what a pre- what what kind of prevalence um, yeah. romantic incest has in this uh, planet. <laughs> Because we are a global podcast. Yeah, we sure are. Um, I mean, like... Listeners, I, write in if... No, please should. don't. Um, um, no, I mean, like I said in my... GSA episode, like, in theory, the Westermark effect makes it. So, like, when we grow up around people, we're not sexually attracted to them. Yeah, that's nice. Because, um, again, like, as I mentioned, my I reread my genetic sexual attraction notes today because I was like, how much of this am I going to go over again? <laughs> um, like, the thing we learned in the GSA episode is that everyone's attracted to themselves. You want to fuck somebody who looks and acts like you. Um, so, in theory, your family would be, like, A number one on the hottie scale, but because of this Westermark effect... When you grow up with someone, you are generally not sexually attracted right. to them. But do you want to know a thing that I heard once? What? Which is that, like, pheromones act... I don't know really how those work or if that's real or, or something. Um, yeah, I don't know if pheromones are real, but I heard from someone once that, like, you... If somebody is, like, sweaty and they're related to you, they smell bad and, like, you smell worse to yourself mm-hmm. than to other people... And if you're a good genetic match for someone, they smell really, really good to you. I've heard that second part that, like, if someone who is sweaty smells good to you, that means, like, you sh- yeah, are a good that, genetic and match. And that means that you're very different yeah. genetically because they, like, your body wants Those different to, genes. Yeah, mate with somebody who has different genetic material because that produces the best child. I have heard that. And um, again, in this case, none of them did the sweat test because they were all... Everyone was stinky. <laughs> Fucking their uncles and their nieces. Gross. It's Ew, gross. I feel dirty right now. Yeah. The Habsburgs were a dirty, dirty family. Ugh. And I'm sorry to those Habsburgs who are alive, if you listen to my podcast, but... And I also, I watched a YouTube video about the, uh, like, hygiene at Versailles, speaking of Marie Antoinette oh, Habsburgs, and it was, like, it was disgusting in every way. Like, people would just poop on the floor. <laughs> Love it. Like, literally, they just poop and pee on the floor. <laughs> And then just, like, walk away. That's like when J.K. Rowling was like, before toilets, wizards just peed themselves and made it disappear. Like, what the fuck? That's fucking crazy. It's disgusting and dangerous. Uh, So what we've learned today is don't fuck your uncle, don't pee on the floor. Let's talk about Brad Stalls. (laughs) We gotta talk about Brad Stalls. (laughs) I have a lot to say, so we gotta, we gotta kind of get into it. it. All right. Um, so... How do we, have we wrapped up? You said everything you need to say about think, Charles? I couldn't possibly say anything else about Charles. Yeah. Poor Carlos. Talk about something I'm else. sorry, bud. All right. Quick, hard change. Hard gear switch. Weird pivot. When I was a young girl, mm-hmm. 
I had I had Barbies. I had an American Girl dollar too. Mm-hmm. I bet you had those things as well. I sure did. I was an upper middle class white child with very loving parents, so I had a shit ton of toys Absolutely. all the time. And and the mid two thousands toys were particularly plasticky and cheap, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you could have like thousands of them. Yeah, and they'd be all over your floor. Oh yeah, but they all cost like you know. $12 or something. You know what I mean? Like these days everything's like made of metal and electronic yeah. and like in the in the mid 2000s like electronics were just starting to be yeah, a thing. Yeah, so it wasn't like that common in your toys. It was like right pre-iPod, yeah. so most toys weren't that expensive. Um, but yes, I had lots of toys growing up. But by far, by far, my favorites were my Bratz dolls. Interesting. I loved my Bratz dolls so much they were my favorites. Um, and you said you didn't have Bratz dolls, right? I really, I was a Barbie girl. I had a bunch of Barbies. I have Barbies too, but. I maybe had one Bratz doll once, but like, I was not into them like I was into Barbies. But maybe I had like more memory. I have more memories playing with Bratz dolls. Maybe, Because yeah. I was younger when I played with Barbies and then I played with Bratz dolls when I was like probably like end of elementary school. There you go. See, um, I think I was Barbie all the way through. But I love my Bratz dolls. And so for those of you who weren't cool in 2004. Too bad for you. Which includes you, I guess, Which Sam. includes, welcome to the Loser's <laughs> Table, where we play with Dumbo um, Barbies. Yeah, I will explain what Bratz dolls are. And they are. <laughs> their closest equivalents are Barbies. They're yes. like that 10-inch. Lady doll. Fashion lady doll. <laughs> um, and I'm going to get to the problem with that later. And the way that most people differentiated between Bratz dolls and Barbie dolls were that uh, Bratz dolls were the slutty ones. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and we're going to get into why that might not be fair or even true. I'm going to defend Bratz a little today. Not too much. They were the slutty ones. Not too much, Sam. <laughs> we're going to do some we're going to do some dissection. Okay. But anyways, Bratz released in 2001 under MGA Entertainment as a direct competitor of Barbie. Um, Jill Lepore of The New Yorker describes them as follows. Bratz dolls have swollen heads, pouty lips, spindly limbs, and chunky-heeled shoes. Their waists are barely wider than their necks. Their eyes and heads are so big and their noses so small that if it weren't for their penthouse makeup, icy eyeshadow, cat eyeliner, glistening lip gloss, and eyelashes as long as their fingers, and their come-hither clothes... Crop tops, hot pants, micro minis, and kinky boots. They look like emaciated babies. <laughs> Cupid dolls in a time of famine. <laughs> Which is <laughs> entertaining. Um, so I think I had all of the four. I'm going to talk a lot about just like, not even the problem with them, just a lot about the Bratz dolls in general. Yes. So I, the four main ones okay. were Chloe, Jade, Sasha, and Yasmin. I remember Yasmin. That name Yasmin was familiar. like the the... The boss bitch. She was, like, the lead one. And um, I also had um, a Megan doll. Um, she was, like, one of the extra ones. Also, I want to make it clear, Chloe is spelled C-L-O-E. And Whoa. Megan is spelled M-E-Y-G-A-N. Megan. Oh, interesting. Everything in this universe is spelled... A little weird. Crazy. <laughs> um... <laughs> Wait until we get into the little little brats. Ugh. Little brats, their names are wild. Oh no. But yeah, I had the I had the Megan doll who was from the Winter Wonderland collection. Mm-hmm. And all that means is that she had like very frosty lipstick. I love that for her. I loved it for her as well. She was my favorite. Um so there is a truly fantastic compilation on YouTube of all of the Bratz commercials <laughs> from 2001 to 2014. We watched like one minute of it and it did crack me up. Yeah, some angel put this together <laughs> for me exclusively. Um, and it's an hour and 13 minutes long, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I was watching all of it. I was like, oh my god, I had that, I had that, I had that. Oh my so god. I had the FM Cruiser, Ooh. which had working headlights and a radio. Nice. I had the Stylin Salon, which had a working shampoo sink. So like, you would put water in oh. the bottom of the sink, and then it would like pump through the little oh, cute. like shampoo thing. Um, and that was really cool. I loved it. And then I had the watertight pool. Like, you could actually fill it with water. And it had, like, pool chairs. It had a tiki bar. Wow. It had, like, little tiny cocktail glasses. And they were supposed to be, like, 13, right? It's, like, mocktails. But it's, yeah. like, they look, it was, like, a martini glass. I did. I fully thought they were supposed to be 18. So, Maybe they really were. Know. But, no, I, I don't think so. I think they were supposed to be maybe high school. I bet you're right. School. I bet they were, like, middle schoolers. And I was, like, so mature. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were high schoolers, I think. But they were aimed at elementary and middle school. Yeah. Um, but my favorite thing by far was the pool set. I love that fucking pool set. That sounds I, cool. To this day, I'm grateful for my mom for <laughs> buying it for me. Um, and thinking about that pool set makes me want to play with it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play with these. Um, they also had boy counterparts. Ooh. Um, with, like, classic mid-2000s names Ooh. like Dylan, Cameron. Ooh. Bryce. Ooh. Ian. Uh. I think I had Dylan. Nice. And Dylan had, like, so it was everything you wanted your non-existent boyfriend to be mm-hmm. in that era, right? Like, the young Leonardo DiCaprio hair. Yep. Like, that kind of Lizzie McGuire extra style, like, shiny jacket. Yep. Maybe, like, a bucket hat or oh, a puka shell necklace. Give me a bucket hat any day. Yep. And they had ridiculously, like, surgically pouty lips. Yes. So pouty. And that's what you wanted. Didn't that's that's, what you that's did. the bill of goods you were being sold by like Disney Channel. You wanted That's what a cute boy was supposed to look like. A cute boy with pouty lips. Like that's what you wanted. Yes. Um I also I love that there was a Bratz package called uh Bratz Secret Date mm-hmm. where you would pick out the girl doll and it would come with one of the five boy dolls. Ooh. And like I love that messaging of like, you know, find the girl personality you like, and, like, the men are fully interchangeable. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it literally doesn't matter. His face doesn't matter. His personality doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. And I'm sure they were all, like, whichever boy dolls sold the worst. So it was, like, everyone just goes with Bryce. Exactly. Bryce isn't selling very well. <laughs> um, I also had a collection of little brats, um, which were just, like, two to three inch high brats dolls. Oh, like, like they had tiny bar. Yeah, like, Kelly. No, 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 not Kelly, because Kelly was her younger sister. Yes. And so they had, like, a correlative, like, she was as tall oh. as a little sister to Barbie would be. Little brats were still brats. Oh. They were just lull. So it was just, like, Yasmin when she was a baby. So, like, they still have a car, but it's just a tinier car. No, 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 no. That's baby oh. brats. <laughs> what? That's baby brats. That's different. <laughs> little brats, baby brats, totally different. Oh. And I don't want to say that you sound, like, really ignorant right now, Sam, but honestly... I gotta tell you, Allie, I feel ignorant. <laughs> so, okay, let me explain. I need you to. We're, we're jumping the gun a little bit. Go baby back. Baby brats. Go back to baby brats. But, no, so little brats. Little brats. Little brats are just, like, a tiny high school doll. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's oh, still so 17 just, like, years old. shrinking them. But it's small, but she's still got, like, a car. Yes. A dream house. Okay, I understand. Okay. Um, it wasn't called a dream house, it was called a li- uh, uh, lifestyle lounge or something Ooh. like that. And these ones were really cool because even though you couldn't like change their outfits, like their outfits were too tiny, I think, they had like these little worldscapes you could build for them because the big rats were too big to have like a whole apartment. Yeah. But you, like, I had the playhouse and it had like a bathtub and an cool. elevator. It was so cool. And, um, like, I would sometimes use, like, the action figures that I had, like, the Batman action figures, and they'd go over to the apartment. Nice. So they could be, like, boyfriends. Um, and then other stuff would happen, I guess, part of my, you know, Awakening, development. yeah. Um, but, yeah, the one thing I never got was uh, Lil Bratz Lil High School, which was a high school. 
for your little brats. It had like classrooms. It had a hallway with lockers. It had a cafeteria with like ketchup dispensers and shit. Wow. It was so involved. And that's something my mom didn't get for me. And if she's listening, I just want her to know that I don't forgive her. And earlier, I still wanted it. Earlier we said, thank you, Susan. Now we say, no, thank you, now Susan. Now I say, what have you ever done for me? <laughs> um, but yeah, so and the, so the little brats had different personalities. We're going to get to baby brats, which is fully separate. I need you to hear me on that. Okay, how many but, pages into your research are we? <laughs> we're two pages in. Yeah, we're getting to the end. Of, <laughs> okay. No, okay, I on. love every moment of this. So, <laughs> so like the four main little brats were named Elani. Talia, Zeta, and Nazlia. Nice. I can't spell those even if I wanted to, mm-hmm. but like they're so long and it's so crazy. And they I don't think, of... and, and it sounds, and I would, it'd be one thing if they were like names from different cultures, like yeah. that would even be great if they were incorporating other names that were like different from your standard white girl names. They're not. Like a lot of them are just made up. <laughs> yeah. They sound like avatar names. They do sound like, like avatar Nateri names. Like Natiri. Natiri. Elani, Talia, and Natiri. So last, now we're at baby brats. So baby brats were the baby versions of like Yasmin, Chloe, like the original form. Yes. And then other babies got involved. But Mm -hmm. yeah, they were just sexy babies. (laughs) They were like chubby babies. If you... If you could describe me in three words, that's all I would want would be a sexy, chubby baby. Sexy, chubby baby. Yeah. Um, That's me. I mean, I do like to make it clear in my own personal life that I am baby. Yeah. Um, So I I guess this was, they were baby first. They were baby. I don't have any other way to describe them. Like, that's what they are. (laughs) No, that's just what But they're babies with, like, a full face of drag makeup. Yes. Like... And they look snatched. Like, there's no, they there's no other way to put it. But I saw the commercial earlier today. Yeah, I did not have these, and I consider them an affront to our Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> because they're upsetting to look at. Um, so just quickly, some other fashion lines, so some of the collections included Bratz Sunkiss Summer. Ooh. Bratz Wintertime Chill. Oh. Bratz Campfire. Yes. Eye Candy Bratz. Ooh. My Crew Loves My Pirate Style. Okay. So pirate style. <laughs> Pretty and punk. Nice. Bratz magic hair. Ooh. Bratz sleepover. I had I had some stuff from Bratz sleepover. Nice. Like a boom box. I'd like us to start naming our Facebook events after that. Like when we throw like a winter, yeah. uh, like our Christmas party. Bratz I, wintertime chill. I want it to be called our, our Bratz wintertime chill. And it's the picture of like their ski lodge. Yes. Which they had a ski lodge. Yeah. Um, so their slogans, they had a couple slogans. My favorite was during the commercials, which to me are etched in my heart and my brain. Through the whole commercial, they'd be like, brats. Like, that was their yes. thing that they keep saying. They'd be like, like, extra accessories, brats. Like, <laughs> that would be the whole background noise. Yeah. They weren't even singing it. They were just kind of, like, vocalizing it. But the official slogan for most of my childhood was brats, the girls with a passion for fashion. That one I knew. That's the one that everybody remembers. And a side note, um, the boy dolls were called the boys with a passion for the girls with a passion for fashion. Which I love that. I love because like their passion is their relationship. Yes. The girl's passion is their outside. They, <laughs> yeah. they find fulfillment outside exactly. of the relationship. Um, and then only brats are brats. Okay. Bratz, unleash your passion. I like that one. It's good to be a Bratz. Okay. And then before they were Bratz, they were Bratz babies. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling I know where that one went. And then the last one, live in Bratz. And that was for like room decor, like for your actual room. I think I had the sequin door curtain. And my dad would be like, it's time for dinner. And like get caught in like the sequin (laughs) things and be like, what the fuck is this? Like, why is this on your door? Um, 
So they also had a big pile of media content with like animated TV shows for like there was a Bratz show, a little Bratz show, a baby Bratz show, Thank God. like a Bratz pets show. Like it was, mm-hmm. they had everything. And they also had a movie called Bratz the Movie, which was, I think they had an animated movie and then Bratz the Movie in 2007 was live action. What? Yes. And I enjoyed reading the reviews from Rotten Tomatoes so much. It got a 10%. Great. Which is Sounds low. right. Um, and so one of the reviewers said, um, shrill and shallow to putrid extremes. One of the most blatantly offensive movies ever to be aimed at young audiences. But my favorite thing is that there was one super positive review from a woman whose name was like Carrie Ann or something. And she was like 50 to 70 by the looks of her profile picture. And she wrote, brats, it's all about friendship fashion and fun and a whole lot of gratitude. This is the one time being a brat is a good thing. So this movie really spoke to her. I imagine that like she watched it with her grandkid and she was like, this is a good message. Maybe it was. I haven't seen it. We should maybe watch it. Should we watch it tonight? Should we watch it tonight? Let's unearth it. Let's do it. Let's do this. Um, (laughs) So, all right, now it's time to get into the more nuanced side of this Bratz conversation. I was going to say, this feels like an episode of I'm Thrilled so far. This feels like an episode of Allie Loved Her Bratz. Um, <laughs> Which is one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, no, I would love to start a Bratz podcast. Um, <laughs> Honestly, sometimes I think about spinoff podcasts for us, and us watching every Bratz movie could be fun. Not a bad one. Not a bad idea. Um, Bratitude, we could call it. Yeah. Or we could call it... Um, I'm thinking only of... Um, the girls with the passion for the girls with the passion for fashion. The girls with the passion for the girls with the passion for fashion. I love that. Okay, we got to get back on track. I'm so sorry. So who were the brats? Who yeah. were they on the inside? That's We've what I need to We've seen the pictures, but who, what was the narrative behind this brand? Mm-hmm. We all know that Barbie is an all-American career, career girl. Yes. So where does that leave our brats girls? Well... Their branding was championed by the fact that they were, and I, I don't know how to say this in a way that makes it clear that this isn't my words, urban, Ooh. and also um, ethnically ambiguous is a term that they openly used in their branding. Interesting. Um, literally their words, not mine. Uh-huh. So the fashion styles were very trend focused, like they were actually wearing what kids were wearing Kids and teens were wearing in the mid-2000s, whereas Barbie wasn't wearing, you know, jelly bracelets and, like, hair clips and things like that. But Bratz actually did show the style of the day much better than... No, Bratz were definitely way trendier. Much trendier, because it was about fashion. And Barbie was about, sometimes about fashion, but mostly about, like, I'm a doctor, or I'm a vet, or I'm a model, like, whatever she's doing at the time. Yes. Um... And yes, they did have larger-than-life heads and features with heavy eye makeup, very pouty lips. The lips were kind of their trademark. They had a phone that was like a big pair of lips, and I really wanted it. And my parents were like, you can't have that because you don't have a phone line in your room. And I was like, I'm going to run away. (laughs) Um, But so, so this is where it gets really interesting to me, though. Because they are remembered as the super slutty versions of Barbie... I remembered them as having, like, big tits Mm -hmm. and, like, a voluptuous body type and, like, scandalous... Let me stop myself. There is no voluptuous body type because your body type is just your body. Amen. Um, But I I experienced... I experienced? I remembered them being, like, posed voluptuously, like, very, like, cartoon character, like, comic book, like, tits up, butt out, like, all that kind of stuff. And I looked at pictures of them and Barbie and... 
honestly, like, that's not really the case. Yeah. Like, they had developed breasts, which is admittedly strange for even, like, a high school doll. Like, let's be real here. Yeah. Um, but, like, to have, like, a doll with obvious breasts being marketed towards tweens and even children but Barbie is a little boobs. odd but like yeah Barbie also had a very small waist comparatively very large breasts and like she had like kind of curvy thighs mm-hmm. like if anything Bratz dolls were like chunkier or curvier mm-hmm. than Barbie but Barbie was like notably extremely skinny yes but like when I look at it the bodies themselves do not feel any more overtly sexualized than the Barbie dolls Mm -hmm. that I had. Um, Now, what we consider sexy and scandalous and slutty is a whole different topic. Interesting. (laughs) Um, We'll get to that in one second. But first of all, I want to talk about their personalities. This is what made me love Brad so much. Because they were all about fun. Barbie's all about her career. Yeah, Barbie's very career-oriented. Who gives a shit about your career when you're eight? I didn't. Um, So, yeah, she was off being a veterinarian or, like, getting her doctorate or whatever. But brats were being young. They were loving their girlfriends. They were going on their girls' night out. How were they going out? Whose parents were dropping them off? off. (laughs) It was all about, like, hitting the town. I'm like, what town? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like, it was very much about, like, it was very leisure focused. Mm -hmm. Like, they were at a ski lodge or they were doing a pool day or they were doing a spa day. Like, or they were going to prom. Like, Like, it was just all about leisure (laughs) and as like a tourist child who loved lip gloss I was so into it that does feel like you're totally into it um and there was like some implied sassiness because their names were Bratz dolls yes I haven't seen any of the media connected with the dolls but there wasn't anything overtly sassy or talk backy or bratty about the dolls themselves yeah um that wasn't ever really in the marketing for the dolls, and that's all I'm really talking about right now. Yeah. Um, and if anything, I think a lot of the media was about them, like, being friends, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, I don't like a doll named, like, a brat, like, being marketed towards little girls, like, because little girls are can be called bratty for reasons that aren't fair. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is, like... <sighs> It's also not cool to message to little girls that your top priority is to make yourself hot. Yeah. Like, it was all about fashion and blah, blah, blah. But, like, brats were, the whole point was it's a fashion doll. Yes. Whereas Barbie's like, I'm all American. Yeah. But I am hot but I all do the time. I happen to be skinny with huge boobs. And I, I have to be super fashionable and I have to be super beautiful. Whereas brats, it was more like... I like it's to a be fashion doll. The yeah. fat it's a the girls with the passion for fashion and the boys with the passion for the girls with the passion for fashion. So it was more overtly like this is a fashion doll. So it it almost seems more okay. But yeah, I mean, in general, we're gonna see a lot of super gendered marketing of dolls and toys in our childhood than we see today, which is really good. It's yeah. a generational thing, and I'm hoping, you know. But yeah, I'm okay with these dolls having narratives being more about having fun and sitting by the pool than building a career. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're supposed to be played with by children. Yeah. They don't need to be doctors. But there is a... So that's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, that's really interesting. But then there's a different side that we have yet to talk about. Ooh. Which, do we have time? We gotta have time. We have time. We have to talk about this. Yeah. Let's connect some social dots here. Yeah. The first dolls to hit the market that really, truly embrace the trends that are happening at the moment 
start following trends that were influenced mainly by hip-hop and rap. So Mm -hmm. a lot of fashion trends that were making its way into white suburbs Mm -hmm. um, were influenced by hip-hop and rap. There's a problem with that, and there's appropriation, and there's a lot of reasons why that's muddy that um, maybe we'll talk about another time. Yeah. We could talk about Eminem (laughs) later. Um, But also, like, the Bratz dolls had big lips. A lot of them had darker skin. They had hoop earrings. Mm -hmm. They had chain jewelry. They had, like, like the wife beater style tank tops. And that wasn't a coincidence. Yeah. It wasn't a coincidence that those dolls had a lot of those features and accessories and the Barbie dolls didn't. And so there's a couple of yikes afoot here. Because there's nothing, any of those things that I just described, there's nothing wrong with that. No. On any person. But a doll company is basically appropriating black and Latino women. Mm -hmm. They're appropriating styles that are not white styles and then they're selling it to a white audience, which is happening. It happens in fashion as well. Yes. Um, and it has the same kind of implications of like urban quote unquote, a word which keeps her horrifying, like showing up fashions being sold at exorbitant prices. And then black Latino women who make those styles trendy, they're profiled and discriminated for them. This is something that happens all the time because mm-hmm. they're seen as dressing like too sexy mm-hmm. but that's a disgusting double standard yeah. <laughs> because it's just like so that's yeah um but then the other problem that arises is that we see backlash against these dolls from the public from like christian moms and shit that they're too sexy that these dolls are scandalized and i always thought that too i was like oh yeah those are the sexy dolls yeah and granted like i was looking at some of the marketing in the commercials and there was a little more like of them at parties Mm -hmm. of them like kind of up against a car in sort of traditional patriarchal um hot woman yeah roles in the marketing Mm -hmm. so there's something there for sure but you could make the case that all girl dolls all toys for little girls are over sexualized but Bratz dolls took, like, the bulk of the heat for that specifically. Mm-hmm. And like I said, their proportions weren't really any more overtly sexualized than Barbie. Yeah. Yeah, they had crop tops and miniskirts. So did fucking Barbie. Mm-hmm. Barbie had a bikini. Barbie had, like, little mini dresses. Like, Barbie had go-go boots. Like, she had all of that stuff, too. So, could it be that maybe the white moms were actually just seeing the appropriation of people of color and taking in that coding of, oh, that's an urban style that's promiscuous. Yeah. That's slutty. Interesting. That's that's not appropriate. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, I think, I don't think. It's clear. Yeah. <laughs> and other people have written about this in terms of, I don't know who's written about this, but in terms of brats, but there's a lot of discussion mm-hmm. around that, just those double standards, you know, because that's what we're taught to believe as a society. You know, we, we label things like hoop earrings and like lip liner as urban, mm-hmm. and then corporations take that and market it and for one one community it's inappropriate and for the other community it's like trendy trendy do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so it just underscores that classic double standard you know when people of color embrace fashion and trend they're mocked for it and then Gwen Stefani wears a wife beater and hoops and lipstick and lip liner she's a fashion icon Mm -hmm. and that's to say nothing of her bindi and like you know when ariana grande is up there like you know yeah wearing braids kylie jenner's wearing braids you know they're like oh my god this trendy new style Mm -hmm. and you know 
people of color are asked to take those out at their workplaces. Yeah. Like, it's not okay. And it's even here in fucking toys. Yeah. And that's not cool. And there's a reason why we think of them as the slutty yeah. Bratz dolls. And and I will say part of it is a little bit of the marketing and and maybe their interests and they were kind of there's a little bit more of a come hither um voiceover in the commercials. Like mm-hmm. there's definitely elements of it that are not helping the situation. Yeah. But I do think a lot of it more than we give this situation credit for has to do with the fact that women of color are consistently dragged through the mud for being promiscuous. Yeah. Way more than white women are. And it's not okay. And it's a total double standard. So can we imagine that this is all housed within toys? But it is. It really is. It's really in there. And at the end of all this, like, I can only imagine how fucking hurtful and cruel it was for little girls who saw themselves reflected in these, like, appropriative styles to, to experience that and to feel like, you know, they can't win in this situation. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if they don't play with these dolls and they don't have representation at all, but the representation is being, like, chastised because yeah. it's not appropriate. And they're just fucking children. It's ever, they're, these are just children. Yeah. They're just children. They want to play with dolls or something else. It's very, very annoying. Yeah. And I didn't think about any of this. I no, was just me like, either. they're so pretty. I love them. They have a peep. They have an FM cruiser. And I didn't think about this until I was a grown woman. But there's a lot to unpack here, um, especially from a perspective of how we view women. And again, especially women of color as sexual objects for non-sexual reasons. And they also had a legal dispute with Barbie over the fact that like their inventor worked at Mattel or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't care about that. Yeah. <laughs> We're out of time. Less important. And I don't think that's important at all. What uh, the two takeaways about Bratz dolls I want to leave you with is a most toys sold to girls for the past hundred years have been total garbage, and it's all to do with like demented gender roles. And why would you gender any toy? Mm-hmm. It's a fucking toy. It's meant to be played with. So like, why? Just we let, don't need that. Let the kid who wants to play with it. Play <laughs> it can with just it. be colorful, and it can be about nur- like nurturing, like dolls and nurturing. Like that's a great thing, but mm-hmm. like. Nurturing is not a female characteristic. Yeah. Um, then the other thing is that we need to be aware that there's a huge double standard for women of color in all media, even toys, mm-hmm. where you're either non-existent or you're just there to add, like, diversity or urban flavor to things marketed towards white people. And it's really important also to recognize that girls and women of color are hypersexualized in ways that white women aren't. Yeah. And that can also be happening in toys. So even if it's not just media as we think of media, this shit is prevalent everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, affected a lot about how we remember Bratz dolls. I think you're right. Yeah, I hadn't really ever explored, like, why in my brain it was like, Bratz, the slutty doll. But that was just like, like you were saying, it was just kind of like the thought thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it comes from a, par- a really problematic place. And I'm glad we can... Di- like, di- not digest. What's the word? Like, explore that Explore that now. information. And then the flip side of it is, it's not like, oh, then Brad Stiles are great. It's like, well, that company was still appropriating a lot. Yeah. And, like, Jade, the one doll who was Asian, was often in, like, clothes with Asian patterns. Yeah. And I say that, and that's nonsense, because, like, it was totally ambiguous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, exactly, like, it's just, like, there's kind of fucked up things in both on on all the levels here the early 2000s were a crazy time they were i cherished my memories with these dolls when it was uncomplicated yeah i had them when i was 
unaware of all this. And now we're aware. But still, if I could somehow get my little brat's playhouse back from the Goodwill that I brought it to, like, ten years ago. Oh. I think that I would. Yeah. So, that's Bratz Dolls. I'm curious what everybody else has to think, honestly. Yes. Only Please? if you're not racist. Yeah. <laughs> Tweet any good takes about this uh, to us. I don't need you to be like, I think they are sluts. <laughs> unless you have some kind of feminist backing for it. Yes. Which I'd be interested to hear. Yeah, frankly. <laughs> Honestly. Throw it at us. Thank you so much, y'all. That yeah. was so interesting. Somebody could be like, I want a Bratz who fucks. <laughs> and I'd be like, same. I think, yeah. I think we're ready for that now as a I nation. I think we're ready for that as a nation. Bratz, give us a call. I need Bratz who fuck. We'll license that idea. I love a Barbie who fucks. Me too. Seems like Barbie's living a pretty, like, chaste existence. Yeah, I mean, she has Ken, but it, she's more career and family oriented. Yeah. Like, she's more with Skipper and Kelly. I want to know more about her sexual exploration. Yeah. For a while, she broke up with Ken. I do remember that from our youth. Is that the case? And she had a new boyfriend, and I remember thinking, like, that <gasps> she loved Ken. Like, how could this be? But I think she ultimately got back with Ken. But yeah, it was, like, a summer theme, and it was, like, bye, Ken. And he, This she is my summer guy. fling. This is my summer fling. But Ken... Will, what's the line from? Barbie Girl? No. Nope. It's a Don Henley song. Boys oh. of Summer. Um, oh. I can tell you my love for you <laughs> will still be strong after the boys of summer are gone. <laughs> that's such a great song. It really is. But that's Ken. Ken that was that. Ken in that case. Yeah. Wow. Oh, what a good song. Well, thank I uh, guys. No, this is great. We got a lot. Got a lot. I don't know what here. else we can offer you. We'll see you in episode ninety nine. Yes, but until next week, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified.